Hey ladies and gents and welcome to the Controlled Interest Gamecast where we talk about video games and everything happening in the industry. As always, I'm joined by Jordan. Happy Christmas, mate. And Dom. We're going to get into it in a little bit, but Hellblade, Senua's Sacrifice. It's right now, it's like it's crawling inside me. It's fucking oh, me up. That's a good way to describe that game. Oh god. Uh, episode 82, last episode of the year before we go into 2018. Uh, let's get right into it. What we've been, what have we been playing? Um, so for me, I only really played one game this past week, and it was PUBG. Played a whole lot of PUBG, um, Player Unknown Battlegrounds uh, on Xbox. Um, not too much else to say that I didn't really say last week, Dom, when I initially played it. Um, you know, obviously the game's broken, has a ton of issues, has a lot of like frame rate issues, uh, disconnection issues. Which, the disconnect is probably my biggest gripe with it. Um, I can deal with the frame rate stuff because it's an early access game. The disconnect stuff is very disheartening considering most of the time I play with a squad of three other friends. So, like, if one of us get kicked, we have to wait to load back in the game. So, it kind of stalls the gameplay in terms of, like, strategy of where we're moving and all that stuff, right? Kind of puts a hamper in it. Um, that being said, it's the most fun I've had all year. It continues to be the most fun i had all year. Um... The game is just a blast. Like I can't wait to see what this game's like when it's more polished and it's actually working properly. Um, one of the big, I wouldn't even say controversy, just one of the internet firestorms the past couple of weeks was that IGN gave PUBG on Xbox a 5 out of 10. I think that's a perfectly acceptable score for the, um, the, the state it's in currently on Xbox. That being said, it's like... Yeah, I guess that's that's a, a point too of like you know it's a review in progress and stuff like that. But um, people were gonna probably be worrying, wondering where that review was. I'm still loving the game. I don't regret my purchase. All of my friends who have purchased the game don't regret their purchase. We kind of all understood what we were getting into, and despite all of its flaws, like I said, we're having a blast. My friends are loving it. I'm having the most fun I've had all year. Is it the best game I've played all year? <laughs> no. It won't probably be in my top five for game of the year when we get around to that. But uh, yeah, I'm having a, a blast with it, having a ton of fun. And that's all I could ask for. Um, yeah. I also played a little bit more of the Sea of Thieves Alpha, which I can't technically talk about. Um, but I also did play some of that too. So that's pretty much it for me. What Dom, you, you were wanting to talk about Hellblade, huh? Go ahead. Let's do it. Let's do it. This game, oh man, this is, okay, easily, easily, hands down, the scariest game, I think, probably ever, just, I'm gonna wow. just <laughs> flat out say that, um, hmm. not in the traditional sense, but in the sense that, kind of how I said earlier, it just, like, gets in your head, and it just eats your soul, man, I don't, it's like, I'm not, like, good enough with words and poetic enough to truly describe what this game does but it's like oh play you know before if you're gonna play this absolutely wear headphones like surround sound headphones if yeah you can. that's what i was gonna ask yeah that's like you know that's half the game right there is the sound design because holy crap um it's it's ridiculous i don't want to say too much because it's it's a short game and i don't want to totally spoil it but um it reminded me a bit of watching The Witch, you know that movie from a while back? Yeah, unsettling. It's that, yeah, it's this unsettling kind of horror. It's not, you know, jump scares, um, though there are a few. Um, but yeah, it's that more unsettling kind of horror, and it just it just creeps inside you, man. And uh, I finished it earlier today, and I can't stop thinking about it. It's just it's screwing, with me, screwing me up. So, um, 
as as far as the other elements of the game, that the combat is pretty simplistic, but still really really satisfying. If that makes sense, um, it's still pretty fun. Um, but then the, the the story stuff, some of it gets kind of like in the weeds into the you know I guess it's like Vikings or whatever they are. I don't know. Um, and I kind of like lost interest in a little bit of that by the end. But overall, the story like the main story uh, for, about Senua is pretty good. So, man, yeah, this game. I don't, it's fantastic. I, I got. I still need time to like totally wrap my head around it because it's just. I don't know. It's yeah, deep. I'm, yeah. This this would be like you know walking out of the theater trying to get me to describe how I felt about the Last Jedi. Like I need some time to you know process and. But mm. yeah, definitely, I really like this game, and it's it's a I'm, whole different thing. It's unlike anything I played. I'm glad that you've been able to describe how much and why you like it without the words mental health. Um, because that's pretty much anyone the only thing anybody talks about when describing this game is oh it deals so well with mental health and yes it does and that's great and um, I'm glad that games are moving in that direction especially this one pushing really far in that direction but there's so many other things about it that are really fucking dope that I think kind of get pushed to the wayside because of that yeah no, it, it, it is worth mentioning I mean I I said it without saying it, you know, when I was stuttering and mumbling how much it's screwing with my head. That's basically, you know, trying to put you in that. Well, I mean, you know, Resident Evil kinda. 7 screws with your head without being about mental health, you know. Yeah, and, and I, that's the other game I played and finished uh, since we last talked was Resident Evil nice. 7. So, yeah, so I really like that one too. Um, Jared, I know you're going to ask, and I didn't have any problem at all with the last third of the game. I didn't really yeah. notice where people would have a problem, so I don't know what the issue was, uh, but I thought it was pretty good. The <laughs> big problem people had is that it went from, like, obviously more horror in its roots and you, like, kind of, like, this mysterious kind of thing where you're kind of piecing together the story to where it turned to you just shooting down hallways. And even for me, when I played through it, it didn't really feel like that. Like, it's still, I still yeah. felt, like, the, tonally it kept the same throughout the entire game. But uh, some people, uh, quite a bit of people, have a problem to say that the, the last third of the game completely changes the way they feel about the entire game, which I'm like, eh, I'm, I, I don't agree with them. I'm kind of with you on that, where I, I felt the last third of the game was, was pretty good as well. The the reveal at the end of the game, obviously, with uh, Chris Redfield, which isn't a spoiler. You should know by this point this game came out in February, so or January. It came out in January. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I guess like there is a bit of progression in the game. Like you start, you slowly get slightly better guns, and at the end, yeah, you get a submachine gun that's still pretty slow. This isn't Call of Duty, um, but I, I don't know. I, I think that complaint is kind. Of, I, I would not agree. It's a little bit of progression. Like to me, I'd prefer that instead of you know being the same kind of limited feel the whole game. I guess. Um, it definitely doesn't get too actiony shooting down corridors or whatever. That, yeah, you're still doing puzzles and it's still scary as all hell at the last levels. And I don't know, whatever. But I really like this game too. It's fantastic. Um, next, though, Wolfenstein Two. I also finished. Recently. Dang, so, setting him up and knocking yeah. him down. Yeah, I know. Like, this is what happens when I get off of work. Like, <clears throat> just shit's just racking through, racking through. So, um. <laughs> Wolfenstein 2 might be my goatee now. Like that nice. Might, I mean, Whoa. Yeah, it's, it's that good, man. It is that good. I got to think about it's it. It's a more. dark horse. Um, yeah. Uh, the, the gameplay, I think it might fall short, you know, when I come down to deciding for myself anyway. It might fall short of, like, Horizon Zero Dawn's gameplay. But holy crap, everything else about this game is just utterly fantastic. The characters are, like, 
ah, it's so hard to describe. There's there's one guy you meet in New Orleans um, in the scene where, where uh, B.J. Blaskowitz meets him, and they're kind of arguing about some stuff. I won't give it away, but it's like one of the most fantastic scenes, uh, I don't know, that I can think of uh, recently in a game. And, and the ending scene is just absolutely fantastic too. So I, there's just so much about this game. and I could go on for a long time about it, but um, I talked a bit last week. You know, it's the same gameplay. It's fun. It's fast and arcadey. Um, and very, very, very over the top uh, in both gameplay and story wise. But it, it, it's fun in that sense. So, uh, real quick, last week you touched on you felt that it wasn't as difficult as people were making it out to be, and you felt like it was it was pretty uh, handleable. You know, um, is that the same? Like playing through the entire game, is it still like you have those same thoughts? Yeah, yeah. It's the middle difficulty is still is it's fine. It's not difficult. You know, yeah. Enemies drop pretty quickly. I mean. And I didn't even use the lean mechanic at all. I didn't really – I wasn't hardly ever being careful. You know, I was just kind of like running where I want, doing as I please. I, you know, it wasn't a challenge. It was a bit of a challenge, but, you know, I could have went probably one or two, three levels higher if I wanted to, if I wanted to really, you know, grip down or whatever. But, yeah, it's definitely not overly difficult. Um, now that, that trophy uh, of beating the game on the hardest difficulty – without any checkpoints that can go fuck itself i'm not even going to go there i was so curious because i noticed there was like 0.01 percent of people had that trophy so i had to go look up who these people were yeah sure enough there's a couple hundred people who somehow did it i don't know how <laughs> I, to me it's impossible you can't do that you just can't um not without you know bashing your own skull in out of frustration so i don't know how someone would do that yeah it's ridiculous yeah um, I, j- I just imagine like playing th- and this is like a 14 hour campaign is about how long it took me um, imagine playing through you know to the very last level on the hardest difficulty and then dying and then you gotta start all over to get this trophy the welcome to game, the world right? of speedrunners <laughs> yeah yeah that's I don't I don't get it man I don't get that um, and some then, people oh, are just built that, that way which is how it is yeah I guess uh, so. we're not any of them Good I don't them. think <laughs> yeah yeah um, that does remind me though so Jumping back to to Hellblade, the whole mechanic of the the permadeath thing, um, I don't I don't remember if if it was determined if that was just a fake out or not. But yeah, it was not. It was a non issue for me. I died a handful of times. I never, I don't know. It didn't happen. So, uh, yeah, I think that was a bit overblown. So that is oh, everything. The permadeath on Hellblade. Yeah, it was a yeah, total yeah, fake yeah. out. Remember, it was a yeah, total yeah, fake out because they wanted people to um, play that way. Yeah, they wanted people to make sure that they they, you know, checked every risk and were careful and kind of understood the importance of the story and everything like that. The total fake out. Yeah. They so, they recently clarified. Well, not recently, but so after. Yeah. That was I only played one other game, Lara Croft Go on the Vita. It was about it was about three bucks on sale last week, so I had to grab that. Um, it's cool Odd. so far. <laughs> Put in about an hour. Yeah, yeah. I like it. Uh, that's everything, man. It was a list. More to come, too. So you finished three games, right? You finished Wolfenstein 2, you finished Hellblade, and you finished... Yeah. Uh, what was the other one? What is the one I'm missing? Wolfenstein, Resident Evil. Resident Evil. That's crazy. Did Emily like Resident Evil 7? Because you were playing along with her, yeah. right? Yeah. She thought it was fantastic, yeah. That's really cool. Jordan, what have you been playing? You weren't here last week, so... Yeah, so I've been playing um, Nino Kuni, which... Uh, obviously was preparing for the early next year release date, which it just got delayed for, what, the third time now? 
I think so, yeah. Um, yeah, so that's somewhat disappointing, obviously, but uh, still love the original game nonetheless, and I'm sure the, the second one's going to be great, especially if they're taking the amount of time that they feel that they need to. So um, besides that, I wanted to just go through a list and kind of give uh, some of my favorite stuff of 2017 since this is the last show of the year. Um, all different kinds of stuff from all different uh, forms of media and uh, in no particular order and they're all grouped randomly um, so big shout out to Rick and Morty Jared I know you caught up with that show this year and, yeah. and you still really like it right yeah I love Rick and Morty yeah so I definitely think that this was um, you know it was a long awaited third season but I think that they justified it in the fact that it was like it just went so far in so many directions that I just really didn't expect him to go, even though that show has already gone so far in so many different directions that you would never expect from a TV show. So, um, just a big shout out to them for just being really freaking dope, I guess. Um, and you know, like I said, it being worth the wait, that makes a big difference when you're like a year and a half or two years out of season two. So there's something to be said for that. Sure. For sure. Um, and then Mr. Robot, I feel like they actually just ended uh, season three within the last couple weeks. And, um, man, I just think that, you know, season two was a little shaky, but I feel like they really brought it this season. And uh, in my opinion, they reclaimed their title as um, the best show on television, which is uh, uh, important to me. I'm, I'm watching out for what the best of the best is. Um, so then Vikings has just started just a little shout out there I think that they're um, they've uh, um, changed a lot of things around throughout the course of that show but I think that they're showing that there's reasons for it and that they can still move on and be awesome uh, even though things have changed pretty drastically since uh, the beginning of the series a few years ago um, and then some games I want to give a big shout out to Neo which is essentially Samurai Bloodborne I usually don't like uh, pairing games down to something like that essentially but at the end of the day I think that's pretty much what it is and for the most part it really succeeds in uh, doing that I would say um, and then of course my game of the year it still is um, that is absolutely Neo or I'm sorry not Neo Horizon read the wrong thing off my list um, Horizon just watched the uh, no clip documentary that just came out really well done really cool Obviously, it's fucking no clip. What else would you expect? Um, but it just made me love that game so much more uh, because I can appreciate the uh, hardships that those developers went to to make such what is, my opinion, such a masterpiece. Um, so big shout out to that one. Like I said, game of the year. Um, of course, Super Mario. Um, can't pass up on that one. It's incredible and definitely gave Horizon a run for its money, but at the same time, I feel like um, Horizon was something so new and so fresh, and Mario was more just like kind of getting back to basics for that series, which I can appreciate, but I really like seeing something uh, new and fresh from the video game space. Um, and then we've had uh, uh, discussions in our chat about Star Wars The Last Jedi. I think I liked it the least out of the three of us for sure, and absolutely had... Um, plenty of issues with it but uh, one of the biggest issues would definitely be the lack of Captain Phasma because 
at this point she's been two movies deep into the series and they make her seem like a big character in the promotional materials but she's there for like five minutes in both of these movies and uh it's really really disappointing to me we can like have this topic another day probably but i think that's part of the real problem is what is what you just said it's not so much like there wasn't enough of her in the movie but maybe there was just too much of her in the promotional material and that's for a lot of different things right maybe like well, not even just in the promo- not even just in the promotional material just the ge- you get the general sense that like she's supposed to be a big part of this trilogy and she just isn't that's annoying especially since they make her out to be this like super badass um i just hear i don't want to yeah. go super in yeah i just hear as the trilogy's Sorry. boba fett i don't really doesn't really do too much to me it's like a cool character that doesn't really it's going to be overhyped anyways just uh, yeah, I, yeah i really have I no just, grab with it i would like to see more from her but the the reason i brought it up i didn't want to get into star wars because i know that would take up the whole episode i wanted to get into her awesome comic miniseries that she had um i also read the book and i like the book quite a bit but uh the comic book series really stood out it was four issues so it's nothing big but it's absolutely worth checking out if you're a big star wars fan or um how are the fuck i don't even know that they exist but a big phasma fan um and then you know game of thrones this year was uh you know a lot of people had varying opinions on it i thought for the most part it was very very good even though they've done some really crazy things now that they're off book however i do think that their extended episodes were not really great and they didn't justify their runtime for the most part so uh that would have been one of my bigger gripes of the season but other than that i do think it was a uh, solid season, especially with it being so short and us getting so much uh, more action out of it and uh, the fast pace that you don't see usually in uh, in regular seasons of Game of Thrones, 10 episode seasons. Um, and then a big shout out to an underdog here on TV. This is Man Seeking Woman. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of this show, but it's uh, Jay Baruchel show on FX. And I'm wondering if it's going to get a fourth season. Season three was this year. And it's just very weird and off the wall, but it's really funny and it's really creative. And the off the wall stuff works 99% of the time. So um, I hear basically zero people ever talking about this, but it's actually one of the, I think one of the best shows, if not definitely best comedies on TV. So, um, you know, I got to give a shout out to to the underdog there. Uh, Stranger Things season two. People had complaints. Really, I just think the episode seven was weird. I think we talked about that on the show, how it just felt off, and I thought the the supporting cast in that episode was really bad. Um, other than that, I really liked it. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 was really great. Uh, Preacher Season 2 was strong, and I think that they did some really interesting things with that. Um, Shadow of War gave me uh, more of what I liked in Shadow of Mordor, but then I thought it expanded on it really well can't get into the microtransactions because i haven't got that far in the game even though i don't like the way that they implemented them from what i've heard uh but nonetheless the gameplay itself is fun um ancient magus bride is probably my favorite new anime of the year uh really interesting and um you know it's fantastical magical type of deal and uh really interesting because you see that a lot in anime but rarely is it uh handled so well and so um intriguing in the ways that it brings about the magic and the fantastical parts of it so um i was glad to see that um blade runner 2049 huge shout out i think that's probably going to end up my favorite movie of the year i think it's an absolute masterpiece 
Denis Villeneuve has solidified himself as my favorite director at this time, and uh, it sucks that it didn't get the credit that it deserved in the box office, uh, which means that you know the Blade Runner series is probably in in uh, in hot water right now just because they're having trouble making money off of it. But uh, really, an incredible film. If you haven't seen it, go check it out. Um, and then a two for here: Atomic Blonde and John Wick Two. I think Atomic Blonde was uh, I liked more just because it had more variety. It had a better story. And um, it was a period piece, and uh, all of those things combined, I think, made it a better overall movie. But both of those movies have such great action that you just can't uh, not give them a shout-out for that. And then um, just a couple more here. Uh, Inferno Squad, the book that was the uh, prelude to Battlefront Two. Of course, everyone knows that Battlefront Two was a disappointment, and especially it was the uh, single-player campaign was a disappointment. But I thought this book did a really good job of... Um, making the Inferno Squad and those characters actually be cool and someone, people that you're interested in. Um, and then Lego Batman was hilarious, and I really like the way that they uh, brought all these Lego universes together, um, even stuff outside of DC. And um, really great in all the references that they had. You could tell that they really knew what the fuck they were talking about and, and referencing. So, um, really funny movie if you haven't seen that, especially if you're a Batman fan. Check that out. And then. Uh, Logan was an awesome uh, superhero movie, probably the best of the year, definitely the best of the year, I should say, and uh, definitely the best X-Men movie, and a great send-off for Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. Um, and then last but certainly not least, Logan Lucky, which was the like redneck heist movie that I talked about several weeks ago, and uh, really enjoyed that film, and um, you know, I don't like or love all of Steven Soderbergh's stuff, but I think that this one was really well done. And really well acted. Like I said, the biggest complaint would just be the uh, non-country folk doing country folk accents and uh, not always on point, but uh, not terrible either, just not always completely on point. So there is uh, my year in review. I know there's plenty of other stuff that I really loved and have even talked about on the show, but uh, that was some of the highlights for sure. Nice. A lot of good stuff on that list. Uh, Thank you. <laughs> it's sarcastic. Except 2049. Shit was garbage. Fuck you, Dom. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen it. I have no idea. Uh, Fuck you. So, as you know, we're towards the end of the year, so finding news, relevant news, is going to be hard to do. But we have a couple of news stories here I want to go over before we hop into the topic. The first news story comes by of IGN, and it has been confirmed that Cuphead has sold 2 million copies, uh, which is really huge. It's awesome. Um, there's even a quote from the co-founder, uh, Chad Moldenhauer from Moldenhauer, uh, Studios, uh, and he says, And even in our wildest dreams, we never thought our crazy little characters would be embraced by this many fans from around the world, and we are continuously humbled by your support. Um, it's interesting. I wonder how much of a boom they had in sales after the Game Awards, if that really did anything, because they, man, they went away with so many awards during the Game Awards. Um, yeah. I mean, the art style, I think, has a lot to play with it on top of the fact that it reviewed very well. So, had a lot going for it. I'm not really surprised it sold 2 million copies so far. Um, fantastic game. Real Definitely quick. my running for, uh, for Game of the Year. I don't pay attention much to awards. You know, I think it's it's kind of whatever for me personally. Yeah. But I know that it, it means a lot to the people that are receiving the rewards, and I do think it really sucked that uh, Horizon didn't get a single nod. Yeah. That is, oh, yeah, man. really weird. It is completely yeah, it's just, crazy. Yeah. It's Especially just the way since, it works out. Like, you know, I know it's not like, well, you should have given this. It's like a panel of people voting, but I feel like Zelda got 
so many acknowledgements, and I think that uh, it doesn't come anywhere close to Horizon as far as like game of the year. But I feel like game direction would have been perfect for Horizon, and of course it went to Zelda. And so yeah, it just it saddened me for Guerrilla Games, especially like that's like their coming out party in a way, and it would have been cool to see them get recognized. I think they're going to get appreciate a t- though. Sorry, Go ahead, I can appre- I can very much appreciate. You know, these are the set rules, and this is who's voting, and that's it. If it turns out that the same game runs the table, then that's how it was supposed to be, right? They're not like the. I always I thought of this analogy earlier. They're not like the the college football, you know, bowl determination or whatever, where they get to do an eye test and be subjective. Like, no, this yeah. is just this is who's voting, yeah. and that's it. It's like the NFL rules, where like you don't have enough wins, you're not in. That's it, you know. Yeah, well, kind of I've thing. mentioned it before on the show, but, you know, I definitely think the games industry has rose-tinted glasses for Nintendo with nostalgia, and specifically Zelda, and I think that's what happened here. That game is, yeah, yeah, in my could opinion, be. way overrated, and I don't think that would have, you know, even though it was a panel of voters, I don't think that Horizon would have gotten snubbed so hard if people weren't just, like, so far up Zelda's ass. Yeah. I mean, personally, like, going back the last five years and looking at all the Game of the Awards winners uh, for for uh, Game of the Year... Um, I think Zelda to me is is the most underwhelming, to, in my personal opinion. Obviously, um, what were the but, last five? Uh, Witcher three, uh, oh, making yeah. me want need to pull up a list. Last moment, hold on. Very strong, very strong. <laughs> Give me one second. Uh, Game Awards. Go Twenty sixteen would have been. Um, shoot, I don't know. Fifteen but, might I mean, have been. Uh, Fifteen would have been uh, Witcher. Metal Gear. Horizon, Horizon would have been Witcher. Yeah. Horizon Zero Dawn's going to clean up elsewhere, but it would have been nice to have yeah. them recognized on the biggest stage in terms of people looking at it. You know, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. Uh, let me see here. I'm looking for one second. You put me on the spot, Dom. So yeah, give me one second to try to find it. Testing your your typing skills here. Uh, well, not only that, but finding where they actually have all of the lists mm. of. Um, yeah. Here we go. The Game Awards formerly Spike Awards found it. Okay. Uh, let's see here. Game of the year. Uh, Overwatch was last year. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Witcher 3 was the year before that. Oh. Dragon Age Inquisition, which I think is a very interesting case of... When that game was out, people loved that game. And now, everyone yep. looks back on it like, this game isn't that good. That game was great. I, I thought that yeah, it's Yeah, it's a really... It's, you know, it's... it's It might, unfortunately, be Bioware's swan song. We'll see, but I think... Yeah. Uh, it was also a weaker year, you know, so I think that's why yeah. people are down on it. Uh, and the year before that, Grand Theft Auto V. Uh, oh. Yeah, huh. so that's the last four years, and the, the fifth year is Walking oh. Dead, which people can say, well, it's you know, it's not a high-quality game and all this stuff. I mean, I think there's a lot more that goes into a game being game of the year than just it being, <clears> like, a beautiful 4K display game, you know. I don't know. I just, for me personally, well, I mean, for my opinions. It's part of it. Yeah, but I've always talked about, like, on my Xbox, I've never had issues with the uh, Telltale games, which I'm not saying they don't exist. Well, sure, I've but seen I think videos, you can but... agree that, like, a good portion of the games industry has major issues with all Telltale games and Walking Dead. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I that doesn't, I still think that game easily could, deserves to have the game of the year in 2012. It's not, like, it, it doesn't surprise me. Um, anyways, that's a tangent. Uh, for, but for yeah, me, Cuphead. like... Yeah, uh, Cuphead selling two million copies. It's great. Um, it's awesome to see a game like that that takes so much hard work and dedication from uh, an art standpoint uh, do so well so far. Um, the second news story, real quick before we head into the big topic, 
Uh, Call of Duty, World War II, and Destiny 2 have topped the U.S. sales for 2017. Um, you know, the way they phrase this is that they were number one for the year. Uh, Call of Duty was number one, and Destiny 2 was number two in terms of total revenue. Nowhere do they mention copies sold, um, but de uh, they basically state that it's it's revenue for the year. Uh, this is the ninth year in a row that the Call of Duty franchise has been number one in terms of revenue. Um, obviously, this accounts uh, season passes, DLC, all of these different things. Also, one thing you have to consider is that Call of Duty um, is one of the games that doesn't really see discounts that often. Um, they're kind of like Nintendo in that sense, where their games usually hover around the same price for a very long time. So, you think? Oh, yeah. It's on sale right now. Yeah. yeah, it's 40 on Amazon right now. Yeah, but you never see the harsh cuts in the way that Bethesda cuts their games and stuff like that. Like, even yeah. to buy Call of Duty Modern Warfare, uh, the remaster is still, like, 30 bucks, I think. You know what I mean? Black they, Ops they is do, 20 they hold bucks. Their price, they hold their price really well for, like, up to two years, that you, you know? Um, then they start to drop after that. I you think. also have to think about the number of people who buy Call of Duty every year that are the people who buy the season pass because they just want all the DLC for the zombies and stuff. Like, I think they have yeah. probably have a higher ratio of people who buy the season pass right away um, than other games just because people are so used to that by now. It's kind of in their nature. Yeah. Um, One thing to make about their about their revenue is the you know they did some sneaky shit. They delayed their microtransactions. Yeah. Which was, you can tell, was only so that people didn't mention it in the review. Which, I mean, looking at Battlefront, you kind of can't blame them. But it's still backdoor shit. It's still devious. It's so, it's so crazy to me. Because um, I had I don't know if we ever talked about it, but I was sure that Battlefront 2 would outsell, you know, would be the you know the top selling game this year based on Battlefront 1 sold like 15 million copies or something in a year. Yeah. So I'm thinking, and then going up against a World War II Call of Duty, it might not, you know, I thought that might underperform a little. And, and then, it's got to take some of uh, a slice of Call of Duty's pie, but also yeah. I just it's it should have been. I feel like Battlefront should have been the top selling game this year had they not completely miff it, and now it's way way under their expectations. I believe you also have to remember, like I stated, this isn't copy sold. So if they did have the most copies sold, they would have probably phrased it that way. But they said revenue, which means they aren't the top selling game in terms of units sold. You know what I mean? So the right. reason they use yeah, that phrasing is because it's the way to get the headline. You know. And you can you can get even more granular because what I mean copies sold is kind of meaningless you know that what if you sold them for five bucks a piece and we're eating money exactly on each one right yeah um, you, but then the same thing revenue might also be meaningless because what if you have the highest revenue but you also have the highest cost to build the game or whatever you know so. exactly yeah um, the other interesting thing here on this story that I wanted to add is uh, they state that uh, Crash Bandicoot Insane Trilogy is the top selling remaster in PlayStation Four history. Which is really cool. Wow. Um, no, there's no uh, actual numbers, um, but they basically say since it's launched in June earlier this year, the game continues to remain among the top ten selling PS4 titles, and Activision reported that it is the uh, number one selling uh, PlayStation 4 remaster of all time, which is pretty cool. Where um, that Spyro at? Exactly, exactly. Uh, that's pretty much it for the game sales. Uh, I want I want to see when the MPD numbers drop, um, where everything shakes out when we get the full report of everything. Obviously, Activision want to be the first ones out the door with their news of like, hey, we did it, hey, we did it. Um, but I want to see where everybody else falls within the year, all of the other big titles that came out this year. Um, but that being said, we've had a topic that we've wanted to do for close to a month now, but everyone's usually in or out, and we haven't had everybody on the podcast. Jordan, Aww. please... Uh, go ahead with your your topic you've wanted to do for a very long while. 
Yeah, so, of course, in my uh, top stuff of this year, I definitely mentioned some uh, some Switch. Uh, of course, Mario Odyssey is one of the best games of the year, and I've been wanting to go in a in-depth discussion about the Switch for a while now. We just haven't had everybody together. So now that we've corralled the whole group, I figured we'd have a, uh, a Switch review or a Switch discussion, whatever you want to talk call it. But I do want to get into some of like the real nitty-gritty that... Okay. That may not make it into a regular review. So, um, if you guys uh, don't have anything that you're just trying to jump on, then I guess I'll start. Yeah, I think uh, Jared and I talked briefly over you know what we thought of the Switch last week. So, you this is your show, man. <laughs> it's now my show. I don't know yeah. if you uh, know what you're doing there, Don. You might not want to be <laughs> want to be calling that shot. Um, anyways. So, uh, yeah, the Switch, obviously, it has had a meteoric year. It has had, um, it has become a fad. Um, 10 mil. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a big fucking deal is the best way to put it. And I also think that it's a big deal in a way different way than the Wii was. Like, the people that are buying Switches are gamers, and they're people that are going to continue to buy games, and they're not going to take a bunch of shovelware later on down the line. And I think it's a much healthier, I think, fad, I should say, than the uh, than the Wii was. So I'm excited on that front. Um, and when you look at the console itself, I think that it's a sturdy piece of hardware. I would have loved if, you know, it's $300 for, uh, what you get for $300, it's a great, great deal. Um, the portable and uh, at-home console hybrid um, you know, has never been done in this way before. You've had stuff like the NVIDIA Shield before, and um, of course, gaming laptops are always a thing, but it's a totally different deal. that They don't have a controller um, on the sides of the screen, so um, different portability there. But um, even still, I would have really liked it if they had made it a 400 or even 500. I know that probably would have been a bad business decision. But if they had just made that motherfucker a little beefcake... And, you know, I, I don't think we could have expected, like, 4K at that point, but I still think it would be much more on par with uh, the PS4 and Xbox One where they're at currently. You know, really hitting 1080p and maybe even 60 frames on a lot of these games. Um, but that is probably my biggest worry, that it's, it is already underpowered uh, versus... You know consoles that came out four years ago at this point and so looking towards the future i think that could be to the detriment even though we already realized that it's not going to be trying to play you know death stranding i know that's uh, pc ps4 exclusive but you know stuff like that cutting edge games wait um, death so stranding is that. coming out on the pc yeah I think oh so. i'm pretty not sure that. yeah i did not know that sorry go ahead that was just a weird thing to so. me a realization i was like that's trying to come out on the pc well We'll check, but I'm pretty yeah, sure... Yeah, you can do some fact-checking. I'll do that. some searching uh, real quick, yeah. Yeah, but uh, I think so. Anyways, um, I do worry about the Switch's future with it being underpowered like that. Nonetheless, I still think it can run the games uh, that it does have uh, pretty darn well. You know, uh, Mario Odyssey and... I know Bre uh, Zelda Breath of the Wild had some hiccups at launch, but I think they've made that a much smoother experience in the long run. Quick correction, uh, only PlayStation 4. Exclusively okay. on really? the PlayStation. My yep. My bad. Oh. No problem. Yeah, that um, that makes sense because you know Sony's bankrolling it. But I will say that could be one that ends up on the PC because it's not made by the first party studios. So we'll see about that. But yeah, you're 
you're clearly correct in that situation. Um, anyways, so yeah, I just worry a little bit about the Switch future, but I do think that um, for what they're trying to do right now, it's great. And then, yeah, you look at um, moving from the console to the games, I think the games have been fantastic. I mean, Nintendo has had a fantastic year with games. You look at Zelda, and yeah, Jared and I think it's overrated, but I think we can both agree that it is a quality game nonetheless. Um, Mario Odyssey is obviously stellar, and then you have um, definitely, you know, I talked a lot about the slump in the summer where you were kind of um, unfortunately um, having to wait for more games to come out in the fall, specifically Mario, but I do think that you had rabbits. Besides, well, that was at the end of the summer, and then at the beginning of the summer, you had Mario Kart 8. Um, so Splatoon. Yeah, you had Splatoon in arms. arms, but I know that there was a lot of people that it still felt like a slump. They're like me, where they're like, yeah, yeah Splatoon in arms can go fuck themselves. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I do think that yeah. besides that, you know, you're right, though, Dom. Like, they did have consistent releases out the, throughout the year, and I should acknowledge that, even though not all of them were for me. It would have been nice to have a larger breadth of games, I guess, during the summer. But, but uh, two first-party titles in the summer is not nothing, so that should be acknowledged. Either way, I think you got, um, you know, the games I mentioned before, and then yeah, you have the Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, which is a 1080 60 um, all content added in, amazing, uh, you know, revamp for that title, and then yeah, you have uh, Mario Rabbids, which is like a total underdog dark horse. Uh, even like game of the year contender at the end of it it's a great game and then yeah you they pepper other stuff in you got your your splatoons your arms stuff like that and then you of course have the third party stuff really all the indies with all the indies tons of indies but you know i gotta give them a shout out for going out in there and getting some of this third party stuff that almost doesn't have any business being on the console so you got doom and skyrim bethesda supporting the shit out of this thing you got wolfenstein on the way and Doom doesn't run perfectly. It has its hiccups, but it runs a lot better than I expected it to. It doesn't look super great, but it, I, that's the the consolation that I'm willing to take is if it pare down the graphics and just make sure that it runs properly. So I'm really glad to see um, that they're getting some third-party support there. And then, yeah, they finished out the year with uh, Xenoblade Chronicles 2, which is a very strong title as well. So they've had an incredible year as far as games go, for sure. Um, but, yeah, that's... I think that's a good start, so give me some thoughts, boys. You want to go first, Tom, or you want me to go first? Do you think they can keep up the games next year? So, yeah, that's, uh, you know, we're pushing into prediction territory here. And I won't give, uh, we'll do more specific predictions, <laughs> but a general prediction from me, it looks like they're going to have just as strong a 2018, yeah. possibly even stronger. Because you've got games like Metroid, You've got, um, I think there's going to be Animal Crossing next year. It looks like we're going to get Pokemon next year. You're going to have a Fire Emblem, like a fully fledged, not like a, a Dynasty Warriors Fire Emblem. But yeah, I'd Fire argue we get maybe one of those next year. I don't know. We'll see. No, you're crazy, dude. Definitely Fire Emblem. Definitely Metroid. Maybe Animal Crossing. And they said that Pokemon's Metroid, coming out think? next year. I say Metroid, I Metroid and Pokemon, Pokemon are the ones that could possibly slip. I, in my opinion, I think yeah. Animal Crossing and Fire Emblem are the are the definitives. And some yeah, port. We haven't even talked say... about the ports either. Like, what if we get a Mario Maker port? I doubt we're getting a Smash port. Oh, yeah. Like a uh, Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze. Uh, we have yeah. we already have Bayonetta one and Captain two Toad. coming out in January. Yep, that's big. And then you got Bayonetta three, which you know a lot of people are saying, hey, why are you going to put out the remasters? 
like what February next year if you're not going to uh, have yeah. Bayonetta 3 until like 2019 so I'm thinking we'll probably get Bayonetta 3 next year because you got to ride off the success of those remasters well, even with the Metroid thing, that's a possibility because we've seen that their kind of Nintendo strategy is to take their their signature title for that year and blow out E3 with it. We had Zelda, then we had Mario. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, they can, they can either they can do the blow with Pokemon or Metroid. They can't do that with Animal Crossing or Fire Emblem and it be successful. I don't sure. think, in my opinion. Yeah. So, yeah, I, or, Metroid or is or a they just wouldn't do that. Right. Yeah, but like, what else would Nintendo? Nintendo is the company to do the blowouts, right? But then yeah, you yeah. have the argument of like, well, yeah, it's Zelda and Mario; it's their two biggest properties, so they can easily do that with them. I don't know; it's very I mean, interesting. Pokemon, Pokemon can totally go toe to toe with those two properties, you know. So I can see yeah. it, Jared. I can see and it. And we could also we could possibly see stars and have the the actual Switch Pokemon game maybe be delayed to another year. Maybe they have stars uh, because the rumor is: remember, we heard about stars possibly coming to Switch. The, the idea now is that Stars was actually a dev test on the Switch to see if right. Pokemon could run on it. So, Stars yeah, could I think be coming as well. You never know. Ultramon, the Ultra Games, I think, with Moon and Sun, I think might put a... A damper on that, yeah. A, a damper on that, but it uh, could be, you know, messing with that. Who knows? But it's... I wouldn't rule out the possibility. Also, well, not to mention... Ultra Stars. Ultra yeah. Stars would the, the leak last week will not leak but there was a job posting last week for uh the pokemon studio for you know a development on a game on switch in unreal engine yeah which i imagine is not the game yes. or not the engine the other pokemon games ran on so oh, no. it might be a big <laughs> Definitely dev cycle well, yeah uh, um, talking about the are, you're when you're talking your question dom you're talking about in terms of releases right and i think Nintendo yeah. is a good – people are worried. People are like, well, they already kind of blew their load, for lack of a better term, with uh, you know Mario and Zelda. What are they going to do from there? And I think they already have the console sellers out there, right? They have the games out there that are going to yeah. ship units, and we see that. It hit 10 million units. It's probably going to hit 15 um, by the mm -hmm. time they reach their one-year anniversary, or at least close to that. I think the beauty yeah. that Nintendo has over Xbox and PlayStation is that – because of the platform they have, though there's like shit tons of games coming all the time to their platform, they're not really on the forefront. What Nintendo can do is when they have that premier title come out once a month, even if it's like, so Fire Emblem is a premier title for Nintendo. If a Fire Emblem game came out on Xbox or PlayStation, not for the first time, but say it was a franchise on there, it would get lost in, in the in the water in terms of all the other games coming out. But with Nintendo, they can market that on their platform, put it on the forefront, and because people already own Mario and Zelda, they're like, well, I want another game to play. This Fire Emblem game looks dope. So I think the sales will translate to that, and we're seeing sales do really well for people. And they can release games that aren't necessarily the 9s and 10s that Mario and Zelda were, that are solid 7s and 8s, right. and they'll still do tremendously well because those are the system sellers. You have the platform in people's hands, and they have an easy way to market those games to people. I think they'll be completely Swimming fine. Swimming in 7s, baby. Yeah. Also, Jared, yeah. you bring up the Fire Emblem point. I think that uh, Mario and Rabbids is probably a really great gateway drug for a lot of people into the strategy genre. Man. So I think that's going to yeah. roll right into uh, Fire Emblem. Is that a no from you? Are you saying meh? No, I said yeah. Um, that it actually oh, makes I thought me, you were like, eh. <laughs> it actually makes me think of Ubisoft is a huge publisher with so many studios. I wonder if there was there's actually a second collaboration in the works between yeah. them that we might see next year that this, we don't even know about. You know, this could be the start of a beautiful friendship, as they like to say. Um, but you made a good point that uh, I'd like to roll into off of that, which is uh, some of the more nitty gritty stuff. And the first point I want to make is discoverability on their store. 
you talked about you know some of the things getting lost and them really being able to push certain first party titles or or uh, you know stuff that they're getting behind more. Yeah. And my God, the Nintendo eShop on the Switch is is just a clusterfuck. The discoverability is terrible, and you know a lot of people voiced uh, you know worry about. Um, seeing how fast how many games were coming to the Switch on that shop. You know, a lot of indies, like you mentioned earlier, and a lot of these indie devs, as we heard earlier, were trying to jump on ship as quick as possible because they knew that um, there was times there that were slumps that the Switch didn't ha- necessarily have enough games to carry the console. And so, you know, people were looking for those smaller indie titles to kind of bridge those gaps. And, um, you know, with that being the case the lack of discoverability on this store is just bad because you have I don't know maybe 20 titles I think it is when you first jump in on uh, recently recently released and then you can go to a uh, bestsellers tab with a, a you know 20 titles as well and then you have now a sales tab they didn't have that at first which is like another thing because we were talking about how Nintendo games stay so so expensive it's nice to have that now but it should have been there at launch you know um, same thing with like uh, you couldn't store your credit card at first now you can finally do that they also added PayPal uh, compatibility um, and yeah I there's something to be said like hey great job guys for adding these sorts of things um, but there's definitely uh, issues there that it wasn't there at launch and that they're they're kind of scrambling to get all these things together and then you also have the lack of uh, media apps Hulu was the first to get on the store and that was months after release and i know there's been rumors that it was because you know the uh the app creators themselves weren't really hustling to get on the platform but you know hulu's been on there for months now and we haven't seen netflix or amazon or anybody crunchyroll youtube and so youtube yeah Yeah. i'm sorry that's a big one yeah no youtube support you know and and that is another thing is the switch is very bare bones even now you know the ui is really bare bones they've added stuff like the the video uh, 30 second videos but even still like that's ridiculous that you can only take a 30 second video you know for video capture um there's you know you can't transfer purchases it, it's like you have to go through this whole fucking nintendo ass process just to get your trans uh, purchases transferred and you still can't cloud save your game so you're like yeah you can transfer your purchase but your zelda save file that you put 50 hours into is just locked on that console that could be broken or lost stolen whatever so there's a lot of really basic stuff on the Switch that should be there, especially this far after launch, that just isn't fucking there. And that's extremely disappointing. Uh, so my yeah, biggest gripe... Sorry, go ahead, Tom. You can go first. Yeah, no, I mean, you hit pretty much everything there. Um, the discover discoverability on the store, I think, is getting better with that sales tab, but they definitely need to at least add, you know, like, genres to yeah. filter yep. by. You know, if like you RPGs, don't know the title of the game you're screwed. that you want, like... Yeah, you have to know the exact title. Like, I Am Setsuna came out at launch, and I got my Switch two weeks after launch, and I had to go into the search bar just to find it. I couldn't just, like, scroll through like you could on uh, the Xbox or PlayStation Store and just kind of, like, weave your way to it just by kind of meandering through the store. And that's a big deal, especially for a game like that 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 came out at launch, you know. Well, my biggest gripe with the eShop is that the wish list isn't available from the when you first enter the eShop. You have to go up to your profile and then click down and click wish list, which kind of right. sucks because the way I go through the the eShop is every couple of days I go in there 
obviously it's bad at searching for stuff so i just go through all of the new releases go down until i see the last point i saw and yep. also with the coming soon and i just mark things i want on my wish list because it's easier for me to filter through my wish list than it is the entire eShop. the problem with that sure. is i have to go through a couple of extra steps just to get to my wish list it should be there yep. along with games on sale and everything let me see my wish list as soon as possible because that allows me the quickest time from purchase you know what I mean? Like, let me see my it's, wish list yeah, ASAP. Clunky. Exactly. It's um, clunky, and not only that, but that's almost basically the way you just described of, like, checking the new releases up until the last one that you saw. You have to, like, be on point with that. Exactly. Otherwise, there's just going to be stuff that you totally miss. And I think YouTube is such an important app, and maybe not necessarily for us three, but I know I have a niece and a nephew. I have younger, younger family members, and they, they use YouTube a lot, right? And... Yeah. An easy way for, especially on phones or on, on the Switch, if they see a game they want but they're not sure about it, screens don't show the whole story when it comes to games. It's good to have YouTube on your platform because people can hop out of there, get into YouTube, search some trailers or some videos of people playing it. They're like, oh, yeah. I actually like the way this game looks. Go back to the eShop and buy the game. I think YouTube is a and really that, good app to have on the platform. You know, Not just that, but then look at, think of, I mean, we got Hulu, but I, I'm not as familiar with Hulu, but Netflix <laughs> is a big miss too. Yeah. Um, selling this to kids especially like i'm not going to use netflix or hulu on this thing hardly ever right yeah but kids definitely would right like yeah because we're like hardcore gamers and this is like our secondary console like this is we have 4k consoles we have pcs that can run youtube and netflix better but for kids and this is their only console then yeah they're looking for that and especially when Hulu's great, even though it shouldn't be all by itself, but it's also the lowest, I would say, <laughs> yeah. you know, the, the least popular of the big three, which is Amazon, Netflix, and Hulu. So, yeah, there's there's big misses there. And then, uh, Jared, you made another thing that I wanted to bring up, which is, like, um, the lack of trailers. You know, you scroll through, yeah. there's been so many games that I'm teetering on the edge of buying, and there's the five screenshots, and the little description just doesn't give me enough info to make that purchase. And I would say maybe... 30-ish percent of the games on the store have trailers along with them, so I just end up not buying a lot of games because of that. Also, it's... So, the news channel thing is very odd to me because you have to subscribe to certain news channels for specific games to get updates on those games. Um, yeah. I didn't know Lost Sphere had a demo. Did you guys? I didn't. Lost Sphere has a demo I mean, I on the Nintendo Switch. I don't really play demos, but... but no, no, I know, I know but do. for people who would want are interested in that game... Yeah. And they don't even yeah. know a demo exists. I was scrolling through the eShop and I was like, "There's a Lost Sphere demo. That's very weird. Right. That, that game comes out in January. And no one knows about this." Um, and there's another thing. I don't think you can preload Lost Fear, but you could. There's like the preloading. First of all, wasn't odd. even a thing. Wasn't even a thing until I think Mario Odyssey was the first title that had that. And now they only support like one in every ten titles has preloading available. Yeah, and that at this point in the game should absolutely have been standard from launch. Ridiculous. The thing I want to say and I want to commend Nintendo for: there's a lot of changes they need to make. It's not perfect, but I'm sitting here owning a Nintendo console, the newest console I've owned since the GameCube because I didn't own a Wii, I didn't own a Wii U. I own a 3DS, but obviously that's a handheld. My complaints have nothing to do with the games that are coming out, and I commend Nintendo for that. I'm satisfied sure, sure. with all of the games they have. Cool, that's great. You have our goodwill now. Now work on all the other issues that we expect from a normal console. You know, you have the product oh, in your hand. Oh, well, there you go. Work on all the issues, you know. The fucking online infrastructure isn't yeah. even coming out until a year after the console launches. Like, 
They've got a lot of stuff that they need to tighten up on, and I think it shows that they were not ready. We talked about this when the Switch first came out. I've mentioned it a lot. You can tell that they were not ready for the Switch's launch, and so, yeah, that sucks. The launch, the launch uh, titles were very bare, and Zelda was a, technically a Wii U port. If they hadn't had that, yeah. they would have been screwed. Yep. So what's crazy, though, Jordan, is you're 100% right. Like, even now, this thing is not where it should be. Yeah. Yeah. Like, software-wise, you know, like, uh, UI and, and, and online software-wise. but Infrastructure, yeah. <laughs> yeah, infrastructure and so on. Yet, and they were they definitely released it earlier than it probably should have been, you know, from, yeah. a, you know, from a this hardware isn't ready point of view. But they were right to do that early, right? Clearly. Sure, I mean, it paid it still off. Sold. That's the craziest yeah. part is that despite all that – agree 100% with everything but it's still freaking everyone wants this thing and it's selling to yeah, reflect that think, so it's crazy I think they would have a lot better will in my heart if um, they said well they wouldn't say yeah we released this console too early but if they were basically saying it through updates like the system itself needs to be updated more often but specifically the fact that the games are so rarely updated and it's like you can tell that Nintendo still got this like stiff arm approach to updating and like being a part of modern internet gaming like yeah we're not quite there to where we're just going to let our games be patched whenever they need it like there's games that go unpatched for weeks at a time and it's like just get comfortable with uh, releasing patches i'm specifically talking about their first parties because that's the ones they have control over but it's like let's just get comfortable with having regular patches for these games and it'll make your games better i think they don't want to change the uh, their persona that's around the industry right now that, oh, Nintendo, when they release a game, it's ready to go. It's not broken. It's polished. It's nice. Even the most polished games can use little tweaks, like Zelda with the frame rate fixes, you know, like I just wish they were a little more comfortable with that. It, man, the thing I want to is it's one of my biggest gripes with PlayStation and um, obviously they've, I think they fixed it with you being able to create folders and stuff. But, like, I don't like on the Switch that you have to, like, scroll on a singular row left or right yeah. to, fucking hate it, to select man. games. Hate it. I wish you could either uh, create specific columns for maybe genres of games or groups of games you want or folders like you can do on PlayStation, right? Correct me if I'm wrong. But but not only that. Right. Yeah. Yeah, you can create folders on yeah. PlayStation. But, but not only that on the Switch, do they have to be in a singular line? But you can't choose the order. You can't move exactly. it. Exactly. You can't drag it. You can't drop say them. alphabetical. It's just right. most recently or even played. like Also, it tells you the amount of time that you've played the game, but only a week after you started playing the game. Like, it won't give you the time until seven days later. There's so many Nintendo-ass things. I also I wish... real negative here, but it's just like, <laughs> Jesus, guys, come on. I wish you could also change it to be like a bunch of squares, kind of like the Xboxes when you pin stuff or on the 3DS. Yeah. Like, just a bunch of squares. Like, I don't necessarily... I'm not, Like, me personally, I'm not a... I'm not into the PlayStation ecosystem as much as you guys are, so I'm I'm not accustomed to having to move left and right. Also, although you guys find it as cumbersome as I do, but like being able to just have tiles there or something like options would be cool. <laughs> you know, just give me some options. Yeah, very bare UI, and I would think that you know it launched basically the same way, and I was like, well, it seems like it's so fucking bare that they're gonna have to update it within a couple months, and we're sitting here you know what six eight months later and it just has barely been touched at all so it's like, like yeah come on like where are the Real themes yeah. themes on the 3ds are like huge like where are my themes for games you couldn't have released a theme for super mario odyssey or breath of the wild yeah you either got it's money gray on the table or white for your background on the home screen yeah um and I, yeah I, I i think there's a lot of issues there but i want to strike and maybe end this conversation on a positive note like i said earlier yeah 
this is the first time in a while that I've owned a Nintendo console and I'm excited about it. And I like that we're not complaining about anything game related because before the Switch launched, that was our biggest worry and our biggest complaint of like, is it going to have the games to justify its purchase? It does now that we all own it and we gave you guys $900 total plus everything else, obviously with tax and everything, delivering all the other things we expect from, from a piece of hardware, you know? So. The, I will also say a positive thing here at the end. I think the it has definitely had hardware issues. A lot of people have had warping. A lot of people have had various... Uh, left Joy-Con. ...breakages. Yep, Left Joy-Con's been a big issue. There's definitely... It's definitely a little too, too brittle for the amount of, like, portable it's supposed to be. And especially with Nintendo being so about the family and the kids and everything. So that's very weird. You know, the dock scratching the screen and shit like that. There's definitely hardware issues there. Um, but the way the bounce between portable and console mode is really great. I mean, it really so is seamless. completely instant and seamless the way you put it on the dock or take it off. It is ready to fucking go. And you're not, and it's not loading for five minutes or what the fuck ever. And it's really like, you know, playing the games for the most part is really seamless. Yeah, Zelda at first was a lot better handheld frame rate wise, but for the most part, you're getting the same experience whether you're on handheld or on, uh, you know, docked console mode. So I'll give them big ups for that, especially being the pioneers in that situation. Anything you want yeah, to end on, Don? Yeah, like we, we got to appreciate. I mean, you kind of you kind of went there a little bit, Jordan, but. Like this thing is like actually innovative. Um, oh yeah. Not that Xbox and PlayStation aren't innovative; they are in, you know, more subtle ways, uh, more yeah, obvious ways. Yeah, not nearly ways. as big as this. Yeah. But this is an actual fundamental innovation to the to the way games are played and the way the thing functions. So we have to appreciate that. At least, even if it didn't work out, you know, like the Wii U, even though that didn't work out, I, yeah, I it's have weird. to appreciate they're trying, right? Because you can't, you're gonna fail. Some things are gonna fail. Some ideas. It was are a risk, suck, but yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. exactly. It, and it's also weird that this console is so innovative, but is, you know, that's based off of the, you know, fumbling of the attempted innovations for the Wii U. You know, this console wouldn't exist in the way it does without Wii U, which was, good point. in a lot yeah. of ways, a failure. But at the same time, they've built off of that in a really positive way, and I'm I'm happy to see. They're, they're going in the right direction, if nothing else, so... I love yeah. the damn thing. Yeah. yeah we're so too. tough on it because we want it to succeed and we want to continue playing it for years exactly. down the line. Exactly. So. Exactly. Constructive criticism. Absolutely. Are we doing a quick predict here, Jared? Yeah, let's do some predictions. I'll start off. I have a spicy one. <laughs> and spicy. I, spicy. By this time next year, Andrew Wilson will not be the CEO of EA. Oh, I thought we were doing Switch predictions. No, it's anything. Just anything. 2018. Anything. Video oh, game predictions. Oh, my yeah. goodness. Uh, yeah, I have a I prediction for Switch, but yeah, my prediction is that by this time next year, Andrew Wilson will not be the CEO of EA. Um, yeah, I think that's, I don't even know that that's all that spicy, Jared. I think it's, you know, pretty mild. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, they have a couple of interesting releases throughout the year that are going to play big on that. Um, there's a whole conversation of loot boxes as far as government regulations and taxing. And EA oh, has shit. become a company since Andrew Wilson took over that a, a primary amount of their revenue comes from... Uh, microtransactions, like a vast majority. An exorbitant amount. Yeah. Yeah. So if they get taxed, obviously their revenue is going to drop on top of the fact that... Let, let me ask you guys this. How many new IP has EA had since 2012? Unravel? New IP. New IP. Yeah. So like did the EA originals count? No. No. 
First Anthem? party, new IP. Okay. Anthem doesn't count because it's not Way Out. Uh, Way Out doesn't yeah, count. Right, I see. Yeah. Titanfall. So, Titanfall is the only Titan- new IP EA only has one. had since 2012. Yeah, because yeah, so, Anthem's not when you out. have when you have the Star Wars license, though, what the, you don't need new IP. Mm. Yeah, yeah, but they haven't done shit handle, with it, dog. It the way yeah. It's not like they're just putting up. them out right and left. Anyways, there's yeah. a lot of talk about him being in hot water. Um, the whole move to microtransactions and stuff is primarily mandated by Wilson. There's a whole backstory about it. He was the guy who came up with Ultimate Team as a producer on FIFA, which led to all of the other loot boxes. People think that Overwatch was the catalyst. It wasn't. FIFA Ultimate Team was the catalyst. He was behind that. They were hanging their hat on it way too much. Exactly. Sure. Anyways, I, I, I don't want to get too far into the weeds on that. I, my prediction is that Andrew Wilson doesn't make it out of next year as the CEO of EA. Um, yeah, but let's go round robin. So one of you guys can go next, and then I'll, I'll go after you guys. I made the mini prediction earlier about Nintendo uh, succeeding just as much, if not more. I think you can specifically put that on their games lineup. I do think that you're going to get... Uh, I'm I'm assuming you're going to get Bayonetta because of when the re-releases are coming out, but then I definitely think you're going to get Metroid, you're going to get Fire Emblem, and you're going to get Pokemon. Um, and if All not one games. of those, if not one of those, then definitely Animal Crossing. So what's your um, prediction? But, Is it Nintendo has a bigger 2018 than 2017, or Nintendo has well, just a big, just as big? I would say as far as our games line up, bigger 2018. Even though I basically already said that earlier in the show, so I just wanted to like re- okay. Like, uh, like make that clear i guess is the best way to put it um for 2018 i'm gonna make a playstation prediction about their games lineup i think that they're gonna be delaying games not because they need and you know this is gonna be hard to confirm but i think we'll be able to figure it out pretty much they're gonna be delaying games not because they need more time but because they just have too many games that they're talking about coming out next year i mean when you really look and especially like some more of the deep cuts when you look at those, it's like, guys, you gotta chill the fuck out, you know. And I think that's why they're not putting release dates even this uh, late in the game. Yeah, it's man, it's an interesting you know place we're in where Microsoft people are complaining about not enough exclusives, and now people are saying like, you have all these exclusives, but is it really profitable or smart to release all of them within the same calendar year? You know. Yeah, uh, it's crazy when you really look at it, you know. Yeah. I, it's 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 interesting too if for them saying a lot of those games are early. I wonder if they're anticipating Red Dead just slipping to the fall, and they kind of want to steer away from that. So they'd rather have multiple exclusives mm-hmm. come out in the first half than have anything compete with Red Dead because you know these publishers are concerned about sales numbers, and maybe not Sony yeah. to the extent that these other publishers are. But they've seen how well GTA Five has done in the tail it's had. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. It's very I mean, interesting. People are talking about Ghost of Tsushima coming out next year. No. That's the one that's like crazy to me. No. However, the the one merit you have there is looking at Sucker Punch and how long it's been since they released Second Son and First Light. That makes a little more sense, you know. But still, yeah. that would make it... If you put out Tsushima, then yeah, I think you're crowding it too much. My only locks for next year are God of War and Spider-Man. And even Spider-Man, I'm like, mm, maybe not. You don't um, think Days Gone will be out next year? We didn't even see it, man. We haven't. We didn't even see but it. That's the because people they know people don't want to see it. And my thing is, if they do, if Days Gone doesn't come out next year, nobody's gonna give a fuck about it in yeah. 2019. People care about it in 2018, but nobody will fuck about that it. That could. And I also think that Detroit will be is supposed to be out next year. You know, I can see that one getting delayed. Oh, yeah. 2018. Uh, with Days Gone, though, you make and an of interesting you point. Do have uh, uh, Shadow of the Colossus remake. Sorry. Uh, 
Spider-Man, I would see as the the late summer, like coming right in before all the fall, big fall games. That'd be a perfect time yeah. for it, I think. Days Gone, I think, is a game you could sneak in in the fall with Anthem or even if Red Dead gets delayed because I don't even think PlayStation expects tremendous numbers with it. So I think that's a game that they wouldn't have a they wouldn't have an issue with bringing it out in the fall. You know what I mean? I could see that coming out in the fall around, you know, October, November-ish. Um, it's going to be chaos, that's for sure. Yeah. Dom, what's your prediction, your first prediction? All right, you ready? This is, this is a little bit saucy. I mean, I don't know. Death <laughs> saucy, Stranding, spicy? Death Stranding gets a release year at E3. Holy shit, I was doing that thing with my finger. Just <laughs> oh, God. See that. Don't punch me in the arm. Um, yeah. Death Stranding gets a release year at E3 next year. So at E3, you know, big trailer. We'll, we'll see gameplay. Very limited gameplay, but definitely, you know, verifiable gameplay. And they'll say 2019. I like how you're getting your E3 that being, prediction early. <laughs> you're like, I'm just, yeah. I'm going with a, a specific E3 prediction. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, mean, that's not the, talking, the important part, but yeah. Yeah. T- people love making the joke about, uh, you know, how long this game is, how long until this game comes out. But um, was it, I don't think it was announced until last year. They announced the the partnership with his new studio at the end of 2015, but I don't think they were announced Death Stranding well, until last year. Is that correct? He, he uh, let me do some research that real quick. Right, but he could because have then done, that would make that would make it a three year dev cycle off of building a brand new studio. That's not that long at all. And he could have had that thing written while he was still working at Konami too. Who knows? But or, you know, yeah, building don't get me the, wrong. The scenario. Yeah, my prediction was explicitly that they're going to announce a release year of 2019. Not that it releases happening, but yeah, uh, <laughs> exactly. Quick cr- clarification: it was announced at E3 2016. Yeah, so Jordan, you're right on when he said when he came back and said, "I'm back." I just want gameplay. That's all I want. Just give me some gameplay. I love you the got trailers. Gameplay, Jared. Mm. This past trailer, he's sure. like, "Yeah, when you're swimming <laughs> towards his body, that's uh, gameplay right there." I'm like, "Okay, dude." Whatever. Sure. Cool. Great. Cool I'll give you one things. other. I'll give you one other prediction here, really quick. Um, this one maybe a little bit more controversial. We'll see. We'll see how it goes over with you guys. The Switch Peggle Three outsells. Oh, sorry, <laughs> <laughs> the Switch outsells the Xbox One next year. Hmm. I don't necessarily think that's a crazy one. No, that's pretty safe. You think? Okay. I can see the Switch selling, sell, selling more than both of them. Like the Xbox One isn't really surprising, but like at this rate, I don't know. It's it's a whole conversation. Like, is PlayStation saturated? Like, how much are they really selling? They're selling great, obviously, but like know. in comparison, they're still going to, like, strong. They just hit seventy k. So. Yeah, 70 but, million, I'm sorry. Uh, but, like, in comparison, next year, how many are going to sell in, in relation to Switch, which is, like, a brand new product? People are going to be yearning for it, you know? going to be very interesting. Yeah. Well, it's also 200 bucks, though. That's the thing there. Yeah, true. Very true. I think next year, even with all the big releases, is hopefully the ramp-down year for, um, well, PlayStation, but maybe even Xbox One as well, because I'm really hoping we get new consoles in 2019, because... I mean, if you just think two years from now where technology is going to be at, and if we're still, like, you know, barely making it 1080, 30 frames per second, like, come on. 2019, yeah. we need to be 4K 60, well, it's bitch. All, it's all about what's selling, though, right? Until we hit that saturation and these things stop selling, you know, yeah. they're not going to make new ones. Don't play any more games, guys. <laughs> I'll, I'll, uh, I'll say my last two predictions real quick. One, I think we're going to get the announcement of a Marvel game we don't know that is currently in development. Um, so this isn't an announcement outside of the Avengers this project. This is a game that's already been in development that we don't know about. So it can't be any of the Square Enix games. It can't be Spider-Man, obviously. So something else. 
Um, I think you're safer going with DC because of the WB Montreal deal. Yeah, that one's a little bit too easy because of all the rumors. I want to go with like, oh, there's another Marvel game we don't know. I got you. You staying spicy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My other prediction is um, that we're not getting we're not getting uh, uh, virtual console next year either. Fuck! Wow! Shit! I hope oh my on. god! <laughs> yeah. Fucking Christ. Uh, yeah, I don't think we're I getting that next year either. Um, I hope Why not. Am I not playing but GameCube games on my Switch? I could, I could easily just see going through 2018, coming here at the last podcast of 2018, and being like, "We still have no freaking Virtual Console." Jordan <laughs> up in arms, you know. <laughs> I want some Sonic Adventure 2 Battle on that bitch. I want some Sonic Ooh. Forces. Uh, just kidding. Um, some Luigi's Mansion. Ooh. Yeah, baby. Yeah. Um, those are my two predictions. Jordan, do you have any more left before we head out? You know what? I'm going to turn it around on you, Jared. Not only will we get Virtual Console next year, we will specifically, and it will have GameCube, but the prediction itself is that we will specifically see a release of Pokemon Coliseum. That's what's up. Ooh. Wow. Oh, get hype, get ready. That's like a that's like a, a Easy LA's final bet right there. <laughs> exactly. Dream dream boys. Hmm. Uh Dom, do you have any anything left? No, I'm going to leave it there. Let's leave it at Coliseum. Okay. Uh, Thank you guys for listening to the last uh, episode of our podcast for 2017. We'll see you guys in 2018. We have some things planned. Either the first or second week is going to be the episode where we're discussing each of our individual top five games of the year and then presenting what won as far as uh, our game of the year. And, yeah, I can't wait for the new new year. Get some more podcasting going in, a bunch of new games coming out. there's no quit anymore these days. January, February, still packed with some games I'm super interested in. Let's do it. For me, Dragon Ball Z Fighters off the bat is the game I'm most excited for earlier in the year. Um, ugh, game just so beautiful. Um, not oh, a fighting yeah. game fan either, but I'm super excited. Um, right. Yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Uh, we're going to be, I guess, we can talk about what we're going to be playing real quick through the holiday break, and then we'll close out because we didn't really get that opportunity to do so. I'm going to be playing PUBG. I'm, I need to finish Doki Doki Literature Club. Which I never thought I would say. Um, yeah, I don't really know what else I need to clean up on because I don't have any games. You know what? I might just go and finish Assassin's Creed Origins. At least get the main campaign through. I've been dabbling doing nice. a bunch of side stuff, but I may, I think I want to just get the last couple of targets. It seems like killed from in the story where I'm at currently. It seems like I only have a couple more targets left um, for the game. So yeah, it's pretty much it for me. What about you guys? The Horizon Zero Dawn DLC. Yeah, I need wilds. to play that as well. Frozen Wilds. Yeah, I had I'm like a triple. A bit, but... Man, that's perfect like for the holidays discount. too. All the snow. Yeah, oh, so good. All that snow, boy. Yeah. yeah. So I'm I'm getting right into that next, and then after that, a little little remaster, a part of a package called Kingdom Hearts 1.5. Wow. <laughs> I did it. Wow. It oh, Merry Christmas. Wow. And that's it. And Laura Croft. So Mike, so then you're playing uh, chronologically, right, Dom? Yeah, I'll have to talk to you about that. What I should do, actually, but yeah, I'll... I think you should definitely play chronologically because you know if you're Kingdom Hearts is a series to do it with with the crazy fucking story. If you're gonna jump in, you gotta jump in head first and do it uh, chronologically, which would mean that you're playing my favorite entry in the series, Birth by Motherfucking Sleep. Um, so. I am going to be uh, hopefully playing the Frozen Wilds DLC as well. 
Um, yeah, I've got some time off work here around the holidays, and so I definitely want to just uh, to just kind of jump into some games, man, because I've been doing a lot of other stuff, and I've uh, been reading a lot, you know, like a fucking dork, and uh, so I need to play some video games like a not-dork. Um, but uh, not anything too specific. Definitely want to hit that Frozen Wilds, but uh, just in general, I want to play some games. And then what I have been reading is uh, I read... I'm halfway through the trilogy of books um, that uh, is well is being adapted. The first one, Annihilation, is uh, coming up at the beginning of next year, starring Natalie Portman, and that is directed by I can't remember the guy's name, but he is the director of Ex Machina, which I know is a lot of uh, people's favorite recent sci-fi film. One of my favorite movies um, of all time. So I'm, yeah, I'm very excited for his next his second movie. Um, Annihilation. So, uh, just finished the second book in the trilogy today, and uh, enjoy. Alex that. Garland um, is who you're. Alex Garland. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I was gonna say uh, Andrew, but I knew it was an A. Um, and then I'm also uh, I got back into reading It by Stephen King because the uh, the film the new film just came out on uh, digital and Blu-ray, and it's over a thousand pages, but. I'm past the 400-page mark at this point, so I'm feeling good about it. I am going to uh, be able to complete it. I've read books that long before, so it's not a big thing. But I will say this much. I think uh, Stephen King's best stuff is absolutely his shorter stuff. Even, like, you know, a lot of times his best stuff is his short stories. And so books like The Stand or uh, It or Wizard and Glass, which is the fourth Dark Tower book, is like eight or 900 pages. Um, when he goes on too long, it's not... Uh, usually warranted in my opinion I think his shorter stuff is much much better uh, stuff like Carrie all killer no filler um, so yeah getting through that it's still a great book though but it's just a lot of fucking filler yeah uh, shout out to Idris Alba stating that he has interest in the It sequel which is pretty cool nice I love Idris Alba so yeah which character would he be <laughs> I wonder <laughs> it'd be really cool if uh well, yeah, Sorry. you could be. You could obviously, good one, Dom. Way to set me up, black dude. Dude up. Uh, black, black dude grown up, Mike Hanlon. But it would be cool if he was, uh, you know, reprising his role, even though they're different studios, reprising his role as Roland from The Dark Tower, because those books do cross over, even though um, I don't know how much it would necessarily make sense. But they're in the same universe, they're in the King universe, so um, who knows? Either way. I'd still love to see him in there because he's a great actor. And, yeah. Um, from what I've heard, this is a great movie, and it's going to be really cool to see what they do with the kids as adults. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Last episode. Uh, we'll see you guys in the new year in episode 83. We'll talk about all the games we've been playing. Like I said, the following week we'll be having our goatee discussions. And, uh, yeah, thank you guys for listening, for those of you who have stuck with us. And uh, we hope to make a lot of good improvements in the new year and hopefully get uh, a lot of new people and a lot of new listeners. So if you can, please subscribe to YouTube. It definitely helps. Uh, you know, search controlled interest. We still don't have that custom URL yet. So close. Um, you know, Internet's hard. Also, if you can, if you're listening on iTunes, can you please leave us a review? It definitely helps. Even a couple of reviews helps us get higher in the list for, um, you know, the algorithm for iTunes and people can see us. Um, I do a, a pretty good job at designing our covers and stuff so that they're, they're, they catch people's eyes. You know, random people can click on him. I'd say, and I'd say a great job. Yeah, yeah thank you. You. Uh, you have a really uh, good jo- uh, eye for design, I would say, Jared. Uh, thank you. <laughs> um, so, yeah, any review helps. Even one review definitely helps us. Don't think it doesn't. Um, tell people about us if you want other people to listen to gaming podcasts. 
And uh, yeah, thank you guys for listening, and we hope you enjoy us for another year. Hopefully we deliver some great conversations. So thank you guys.